Hey, this is Podflix, episode 150. I'm Nish. I'm Willie. And I'm Paul. Fantastic. Episode 150. It's big doings. Yep, we finally got there. Halfway to 300? Yes, that is the way it works. (laughs) (laughs) So so, so I have a question for you guys. Um, Do you guys get excited at the thought that celebrities are just like us sometimes? Yes. Wait, get excited by that? Yes. That like, See, this is, that this like is, Zach Braff runs out of bread and like can't make a sandwich. Right. This is something that I've always, <laughs> this is something that I've always made fun of people for, or more specifically when we were younger, not grow, not young, but like younger, you know, us weekly, I'm sure it still does had, you know, the stars, they're just like us section. And it would always be mm. like stars. They're just like us. They're on yeah. their phones. And it's like, yes, <laughs> like <laughs> look, they're stars food have shopping. Phones. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, yes, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's like, am I supposed to be really impressed or excited or something like that? And now I, I kind of have to eat my words because in this time of quarantine, I have become very weirdly happy at the idea of all these little videos that are coming out with like celebrities collaborating on like little dumb things on their phones, like at their houses, like there's something about it that really tickles me. And I feel like it's the same kind of like stars. They're just like us thing. Like they're just at home fucking around too, like that kind of thing. Uh, But I kind of can't help myself. I feel like the, the two things that I really think of, it's not, it's not like stars they're like singing imagine or like you know all that dumb shit that was happening early on what i mean is more like so so like one of the things is i'm sure you guys are aware of this like the the josh gad uh reunited apart web series which you know totally. josh gad but other than that it's kind of you know it's fun um dude so, i went into a hole i watched like five in a row the other day i know right because he gets really cool people on there like it's like it's practically the whole cast of these movies and like really random people. Did you guys see the Ghostbusters one? Yeah, wow, I have a kid up. I haven't watched it yet. All right. Well, I'm gonna minorly spoil like some of the people who are on it, but not. No, I know I, who's I on it. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Yeah, I thought it was crazy that it's like the like the test subjects from the beginning of the movie are on it, and like the hotel manager and the guy who plays the cellist or whatever it is, like like <laughs> like that guy in that one scene where they're out by the fountain. Hey man, like it, nobody's it got anything to aw- do. Yeah, it was kind of awesome to see those people. Like I, I was kind of like, like it's fun to reunite the casts, but it's also like I am ha- very happy to see like these extras where it's like these people who I know very well because I've seen that movie like a hundred times. I was so tickled to see the the guys with the cards immediately. I was like, I don't know, a couple wavy lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they kind of look the same. Like I mean, they look older, yeah. but. They, they, they've aged pretty well. It's like they were instantly recognizable as the as that woman and man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then the uh, Ferris Bueller, I think, was the last one, the one that, that he just did, which I think is the last one they're going to do for a while. And then the other thing, this is also involves Josh Gad in a very small way, is um, the uh, thing that is just coming out on fuck me i don't know how to pronounce this is it quibi is it quibi i don't know what they call it you had it right the first time okay i just wanted to make sure because i know it stands for quick bite so then it's kind of like but do i really call it quibi anyway 
Anyway, I don't, I, don't, I don't have Quibi. I don't quite understand what it is. And I don't mean that from like I'm an old fart kind of way. I mean that it's like, what, like, is this really supposed to like make money? Like, that's the way that I don't understand it. But so they, they, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they released this thing that they're going to be doing in installments that Jason Reitman put together, which is a re, a DIY remake of The Princess Bride starring like 150 celebrities all in little bites. He basically had them all record little scenes with each other or like separately on their phones in like two minute increments. So that's kind of cool. I saw like a clip of it where it's like a clip where like Josh Gad is playing the kid and Rob Reiner is playing the grandfather. And then common and Tiffany Haddish are playing <laughs> uh, uh, Wesley and uh, buttercup in the beginning. And then it cuts to uh, Hugh Jackman as Prince Humperdinck. So it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a really random group of like people, and it's like and and there are other scenes with like this like just different, completely different actors as the same people. Like like I saw another scene where Jack Black is uh, Wesley and Diego Luna is Inigo Montoya. By the way, if they actually actually remake Princess Bride, Diego Luna should absolutely be Inigo Montoya because he was fantastic. But anyway, I just thought it was you know this is a very cool use. It's a clever of their time. idea. Yes. Quibi's been in the news a lot. Um, Has it though? Well, well, uh, from a tech scene perspective, apparently they raised a bunch of money like they were a tech company. They blew a bunch of money on content that didn't really go anywhere. Right. Like they were outpacing Facebook and Google in salaries, Paul, um, and poaching as many Facebook and Google people as they could. And now they have to lay off 75% of their engineering staff. So it didn't quite go as expected. No, I wouldn't imagine it did. I feel like I understand like some of that idea, like, you know, like especially with the content where it was like a thing where it was like, well, like we'll just like get like really recognizable people and then that'll pull people in. But I feel like. like work. Yeah, I think some of it is just that it's like it's so like the media landscapes, like just so saturated with streaming services right now, that's one. And then two, like the idea behind it was a little weird where it's like, Oh, we'll just do something in like 10 minute increments. Cause it's like, you're just, no, I get it. I get it. Is the, 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 pi- the pitch it. makes sense is like, unfortunately, like I think COVID ha- happened at the wrong time, but it's for those people that were like riding the train or the subway. You see people just scrolling there all day especially in major metropolitan areas where you're going underground and you don't have service. Like yeah, they're just looking I, for shit to I look at. That is, that, that is true. And I think COVID would have helped them probably. But I also do think like, I think there's a miscalculation there where it's like, they there's like an assumption there that it's like, well, people are like commuting and like, you know, they don't like, I think people are fine watching 20 minutes of a longer thing while they're commuting or watching or listening to a podcast and only part of it. Like, right. I I've done that and I didn't really feel like, man, like I wish this ended right now. Like, like I was fine stopping it there. And were you also like, man, I wish this wasn't portrait. So I didn't have to turn my phone sideways. Like (laughs) that's, that's the other thing too, that, that it's all in portrait is a little weird. It's all vertical. I think it, uh, there's yeah. a lot of challenges to shooting that way. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think COVID gives them a nice excuse, but uh, these guys were DOA no matter what happened, I think. Like, um, and you always get them, right? Like, the, you always get the big tech thing who's got too much money who's just like, we're just going to buy our way into this and like, this will totally work. Like, I feel like that kind of never works. Um, 
maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody can think of an example, but like worked worked okay for Disney. Well, yeah, but Disney was already big. I think is the thing. Like Disney already had an established right foothold. Worked okay for Hulu. Well, uh, did it though? I mean, like they, I, I, I don't know. Like, was was Hulu an instant hit? I'm not sure there, that it was. Like, no, it was a slog in the beginning. Yeah, Remember, that's the it thing. used to be just like massive ads. Well, yeah. they were, they were a disaster. I mean, they were owned by five different companies. Like when they started, it was like it was like a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think that's but, the thing. Like, but, but, but Hulu is still around. I mean, we'll, I'll give it that. Right. We're so still... you gotta, yeah. So you gotta put the time in and like make it happen. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in five years we'll be watching everything on Quibi and I'll eat my words, but <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, it's, it's possible. We've certainly been wrong before. So so speaking of um, speaking of celebrities, one of one of my very favorite uh, celebrities, unfortunately, passed away very recently. Carl Reiner, who was 98 years old. Uh, uh, what a what a what a prince of a man. Um, he was, you know, he felt like such an old man back when they made the Oceans movies, which was almost 20 years ago at this point. So it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, he, he really had a great life and he, he's been around forever. Um, what what do you like? I besides, I guess, like the ocean stuff, which is like the more recent stuff from Carl Reiner. Like, what do you guys remember most uh, from his kind of his life and kind of what he did? <laughs> I was waiting for Paul to go first. I was just going to say the Oceans movies. Oh, well, I, mean, I don't really have much Carl there, Reiner there material, unfortunately. I don't either. You know, um, I know my parents watched the Dick Van Dyke show like crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, I watched the Dick that. Van Dyke show. I mean, when it was on Nick at Night and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I never knew, I, I read this in his obituary today, um, that he, um, was like he developed the Dick Van Dyke show. Like I did not realize that. Hmm. Like I like he kind of developed and was the producer of the Dick Van Dyke show. Um so that's so that's pretty cool. That kind of made him sort of a behind the scenes player as well while uh the Dick Van Dyke show was going on. And that was a big deal, I feel like, you know, it's it's he was he was loved, man. I mean yeah. if you look at the outpouring, but pretty much anybody in comedy like revered that guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I, I the other thing I was going to say with him is I, I think I remember watching, uh, not watching, listening to, I feel like it was in junior high or something. I don't know. Was it in a class? Who would have been putting this on in a class? But, you know, there's a really famous uh, the 2,000-year-old man routine that he mm-hmm. did with Mel Brooks, where basically Mel Brooks is this 2,000-year-old man and Carl Reiner is the interviewer uh, interviewing him. Um, and I remember that and thinking it was like pretty funny, although I don't remember, like I haven't heard it in forever and don't remember any like specific bits from it. But that was like, that was one of the things that kind of broke him, you know, and made him big. And, um, and he and Mel Brooks worked together for a very long time. He did a lot of voice stuff. I didn't realize that he did Toy Story 4. He did the Family Guy. He's done some Justice League stuff. Like he's he's in his Bob's Burger. He's done he's done some voice stuff. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that either. Makes the sense. Cleveland I feel show. like he was he, yeah. was he was very good with voices. Um, he the other thing I didn't know with him is that he also um, he uh, worked a lot with Steve Martin when Steve mm-hmm. Martin was oh, starting his career. Yeah. yeah. So he he. Uh, basically produced and, uh, and, and, or he directed, I think, and, and co-wrote the jerk and, uh, 
the man with two brains and dead men don't wear plaid. Uh, so all of those like early Steve Martin movies, which, which were all really good. I mean, I like all those movies. I love the memo two brain when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I was like dead men don't wear plaid. I think the first time I saw that was they, they put it on our, our old band teacher, uh, in high school, put it on like, on like one of our band trips on the bus and we watched mm-hmm. it and it was pretty cool. And I, I, I feel like I appreciated it to some extent then, but I feel like, you know, the, the thing with dead men don't wear plaid is that all of the supporting characters in the movie are real life, like old Hollywood clips. So it's like his like part, it's a private eye movie and his partner is like Humphrey Bogart and like Burt Lancaster's in it. And like, but they're all these like repurposed clips from like classic movies. Um, and I thought that was a really cool, you know, it's like a, a very cool way to like do a movie. Yeah. All right. Well, RIP Carl Reiner. Very. <laughs> You'll be missed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you will be missed. <laughs> All right. Um, apparently not by Paul. No, apparently not. Apparently I have not. nothing to contribute. <laughs> All right. What did we watch this week? Um, we went a slightly different route this week. Instead of watching a movie, we watched a uh, TV series, which meant a lot of watching for us. Um, and what did we watch? We watched The Watchmen, uh, which is how many times can Nish say watch in one sentence? That's right. Well, this was, you know, this was intentional. Thank you very much. Um, yes, we uh, we viewed um, the <laughs> HBO Watchmen series that uh, that came out last year. So this was a uh, nine episode series that aired on HBO. Um, it was. Originally viewed as season one, but at this point is kind of viewed more as sort of a limited series with no plans to return for an, another season or anything like that. Um, and it was basically uh, written and kind of shepherded by Damon Lindelof, who was the showrunner basically of Lost and also of The Leftovers. So. All right. Question before we get too much into this. Yes. Okay. Nine episodes. Yes. Paul, when did you guys start watching this? Oh, boy. So I started watching it. It is uh, pulling back the curtain for a second. It is Tuesday night right now. I started watching this on Friday night and had to basically like I I have two kids and no time to watch anything during the day. So this was like definitely a like, okay, this is all I am doing once the kids go to sleep is watching at least two episodes every night of the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I started. I started basically a week ago, so I had seven nights, and so I had to double up a couple times, um, which I did. And um, yeah, I will. I'll admit I stopped watching this show about forty-five seconds before we hit record on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and Just then, made it. And then, Willie, what about you? Uh, I started on Saturday, and I was like, "Okay, I can do three a day." <laughs> yeah. And I got into it and I watched six on Saturday and three on Sunday. I was done by five o'clock Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing I was thinking the whole time was like, thank God I liked the show because I would have been fucked being watch, watching nine hours of something I didn't enjoy. 
And I guess we can dive into the review a little bit. We should warn people we're going to spoil it. It's no yeah, way to talk yeah. about nine episodes. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think what we'll say is like we're, we're not going to do a detailed plot summary of the entire thing because we would be here forever. There is so much that happens in these nine episodes. But we're definitely going to spoil stuff that happens. Like Dr. And, Manhattan dies. And we're also... <laughs> you, just, you just had to throw that in, huh? And... In doing so, you know, we, we also necessarily will spoil plot elements of the original Watchmen, the graphic novel, because this is sort of a a sequel of sorts to it in in, in a way um, and definitely deals with the events that happen in the original Watchmen. Um, so be forewarned. And the other thing we'd say, at least I'll say, and it sounds like Willie at least agrees, I assume Paul does too, to a, to a degree, is that you should watch this without being being spoiled. And, and you should watch this if you haven't. Period. Yes, I agree with both. With both yes. Things. Yes. So, okay. So, um, with that I do, said, I, I yeah. do have an opening statement, um, which is, um, <laughs> I'll permit it. Thank you. I, di- I didn't really know what to expect going into this because um, the only thing I knew from the Watchmen was the movie, um, the 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 in my memory bad Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I did want to ask because you guys are comic book guys. If you read the graphic novels what, what your context was going into this right i've 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 read the graphic novel and own the graphic novel and love the graphic novel i've also seen the movie and it's not a great movie so yes <laughs> yeah i i have the graphic novel on um comiXology or whatever and i i think i've tried to read it twice and like i i, I couldn't get through it um both times like yeah. um like i found the particular I found the voice that is written in difficult to get through for me personally. Um, but, but, I, but I was, so all I really knew from it was the movie and, you know, I watched it. I'm watching the first few episodes. I'm, I'm really liking it. This is great. I'm like, you know, I'm like, they found a universe that they can do interesting things in. They're doing some very interesting things here. It's pretty awesome. Um, you know, anyone can like pick this up and watch it. And then, we got to, I don't remember the episode number, but we got like midway through the season and, and um, I was like, oh no, you really have to know what happened in the movie yeah. to know what's going on. I was going to say, they do not hold your hand in this episode. I, I will say there is one thing that they do that's pretty good that is necessary, I think, which is that there, you know, basically the, the, the climax or of, of the original Watchmen or, you know, the, the main event that happens like at the climax of the original Watchmen um, is this huge attack on New York City. And that is described in detail what actually happens and why it happens midway through in, in basically a, a video that um, that Adrian Veidt um, apparently has made for uh, for the president. Um, and so in that way, I think that was an easy way to get viewers who who had not seen who had no recollection or didn't know the original watchmen to like know that specific part of the story which was a very important part to know but there are definitely other uh, things like like they never ask you like they never really tell you exactly who rorschach was or why he was important and they really just expect you to know that and and kind of go with it right it's not a hugely really important thing but i, I don't uh, i don't have any context for the movie i don't I'm sure I saw it. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. D- didn't bother the watching experience whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I would still say you could watch this without. I mean, I, I think it's 
I did. You, you get right, right, right. No, sorry, not just watching. Literally, but the enjoy only it. thing yes. I remember about the movie was blue penis. That's it. <laughs> and Which you, you get and, plenty and you got of to see in more the show. blue penis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You certainly got to see more of that. So I'll say this much: um, diving in a little bit, mm-hmm. um, right from the first scene in Tulsa, uh, there was not a moment in nine episodes I was not fully engrossed in the show. I think that's why I could keep just plowing one to the next to the next. I can't think of a scene or an episode where I was like, "Ah, oh, that's the throwaway episode. That that's the budget saver episode." Like I thought they were all great. Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. The, the 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 conceit of the show, just to kind of set up the premise a little bit, is that um, the original Watchmen took place in 1985. The sequel takes place in the present day, which since this came out last year is 2019. So this is 34 years after in in this alternate universe America, um, where uh, if you know the original Watchmen, you know superheroes exist. They're all sort of vigilantes um, that. Uh, that you know, none of them have special powers, with the sole exception of Doctor Manhattan, uh, who is basically like a god. Um, and um, you know, the so the original Watchmen kind of explored a lot of vigilantism thing things. This kind of um, it takes place mostly in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in, in 2019, um, and it takes place in a future after Watchmen, where basically the cops wear masks basically to protect themselves from bad guys. And specifically in this, the the bad guys are a group called the seventh cavalry who are basically white supremacists. Um, and that's sort of the, the opening. I mean, a lot happens from there and we can get into some of the stuff that, that happens, but that's kind of where we start. And our main character is Angela Abar, who is a detective in the Tulsa police department. No one knows she's a detective in the Tulsa police department. Um, she hides her face and she actually dresses up as kind of a badass and a badass sort of nun uh, suit and goes by the name sister Knight, which is pretty yeah. awesome. You, you know, it's an alternate version of America because the cops actually fight the white supremacist. Um, That's right. What <laughs> on, on the surface anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that, that was like the beginning of this, the very beginning of this, uh, season I wanted to mention briefly because it made a huge impact on me where basically um, someone's getting pulled over and it's a cop and they're having a brief, you know, the guy's like, you know, doing the whole license and registration. And you see the cop from the chest down, it's like through, through the window of the guy who's pulled over and it pans up at a certain moment and you see that he's wearing a mask. And like, that's a very like striking image. Yes. Um, and, and then, it, and especially like given what's, you know, the current climate in the United States and like to then find out that the cops are actually the good guys, like made it even like weirder in a way. And like, it's just like, like, and that was kind of like the, the tone setting for me. And it kind of like messed with my head quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it, it's an interesting way because it's like the cops are the good guys in that they are fighting white supremacy, but the way in which they handle themselves is very similar, sadly similar to how, you know, the cops in our world handle themselves, which is to say that they are very extrajudicial in, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of uh, enhanced interrogation, so to speak, going on. Right. I want to, yeah, I want to ask while watching this because I think Paul is, I'm, I'm going to echo what some of Paul said, but I had a little trouble the first couple episodes orienting myself on like, who, who's the good guys here? Mm-hmm. Like, especially when, um, you know, the captain gets hung and you're like, okay, so it's, were they the bad guys? Like what, what, what exactly is shaking here? 
it, t- it took a minute to figure that out. And I'll say this much, even the whole time, I think I probably enjoyed it. Not exactly knowing who, who's the good guys and who's the bad guys. It wasn't until you hit episode seven. I wrote down seven in particular, cause I, I think that's the, the episode where they did the most character development. They take you, is that the one where they talk about the relationship between Angela and, um, that's and that, Dr. Manhattan. No, that's eight. There was, I, I would say, yeah, I was going to talk about at some point about oh, standout no, no, episodes, we, but we, yeah, six, seven, to, to me, six, seven, and eight were like three just ridiculous episodes in a row where six was when she takes the nostalgia pills and lives her grandfather's life. Uh, seven yeah. was where she has her own flashbacks about her growing up. And then right. eight was where about the conversation between her and Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam. And I, I right. thought those were all yeah. pretty amazing episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you guys. Like, and, and not, you know, even someone who is very familiar with this universe, it still was intentionally, I think, you know, I think it was their intention to kind of really pull you around a lot in terms of who you're supposed to be trusting or whether you're supposed to be trusting anybody. Um, you know, th- there are definitely moments where, you know, people are, you know, people are like, you, you are really thinking they're good guys. You're really thinking they're bad guys. Almost every character, not every character, but it's like, you know, for instance, like Lori Blake, you definitely are rooting against her at, at huge points because she's being a bitch to Angela. And then, and then, you know, she's basically a good guy by the end. She really is. Um, Lady True, I feel like there, there are, you know, she, if you believe her, she's, you know, there's, uh, you know, she's doing things for good reasons and yet you really can't believe her um but she's you know she's doing you know she's not on the side of the white supremacists so there is that side of things do you guys did you have context for who jeremy irons was i did because i i i I, I guessed at it pretty early yeah yeah, so, so, so Jeremy was, Irons and... plays um, the elderly. This is this is a bit of a spoiler because they don't tell it till episode three or four. Um, but he is playing an elderly version of Adrian Vite, who is the bad guy in quotes from the original Watchmen. Bad guy because you know he's sort of the villain of the piece, but at the same time, he's someone who has a very sort of noble purpose for what he's doing um, in in the original Watchmen. And so Jeremy Irons plays the elderly version of him. I really liked his arc though, and his story, um, and how it eventually in the last couple episodes came together with everything else. And I really liked the reveal of how, of basically how he had gotten, how, how he was on Europa in the first place that he had actually asked to go there. Um, because it, it was a really nice juxtaposition with how miserable he was, after a few, after just a little time of being there and how badly he wanted to leave. It was, um, I enjoyed it. it that to me had, um, like the lost stamp to it. Yes. His I, whole, his whole character. Arc. I agree. I, when, uh, there's a scene or there's a set of scenes in probably episode six or seven, somewhere around there where, where he's put on trial and that whole trial, <laughs> I, I like remember writing down, I don't have my notes with me now, but like I remember writing down while I was watching it that it's like, this feels like an episode of The Prisoner. Like like it just had oh. that like absurdity to it. And like The Prisoner is always what I thought of as like a major influence on Lost as well. Um, right. and it, it had a lot of the same feel to it. You have no idea what's going on with with Jeremy Irons other than like he seems to like be able to clone clone people in some weird way. 
the, the whole thing was like wacky, but like I couldn't take my eyes off it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was, it was very cool. And I mean, and Jeremy Irons, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I forget cause I, I don't think I've seen him in anything like very recently, like what a good actor he is and, and what a good mm-hmm. scene chewer he is. Like, I feel like that role I think is, is ripe for like chewing the scenery. And I feel like he does a great job with it. He, he mm-hmm. like inhabits that role of like someone who's just like so full of himself and it's like the smartest man in the world, but he really thinks he's the smartest man in the world <laughs> too. And he like that comes across at all times. Not to, uh, not to drill into find a point, but maybe you guys can answer a question for me and that I haven't, something I haven't been able to piece together maybe because I stopped, I finished this series like 20 minutes ago, but what the hell was up with the cakes? Like why, why was it always the anniversary or whatever? Um, for Adrian on Europa. I was unsure. I was wondering if they were actually showing, and, and I think they were, that they were actually showing like each year going by. Like that what we were seeing in his in his story was not happening contemporaneously with what with the with the story on Earth. Uh, like we were actually seeing like a year after he arrived in Europa, two years after he arrived in Europa, three, four, because there was a point where he said four years I've been here or something like that. And we right. know that he went there in 2009 because we saw Dr. Manhattan in the second to last episode send him there. Right. Um, so, so it's like that has to have been in the past. So I think that's what it was. They were showing us like time passing and kind of showing us like how he like how like in the beginning he was like even after a year he was like happy enough where he was like, oh, I'm doing this play. And then like, right. and then it took him like a year to write the play, I think, or something. And then like the second year they're performing it. That's a good point. And like, I think, I, I think that now that you say that, that makes total sense, but it's just a case of where it's like, when things are super weird, it's hard for me to know what I'm supposed to piece together. What's a clue. And what's just like being weird. Right. Right. Um, Cause there's like the whole thing you, with like well, him writing a whole bunch and his Pfizer chapter or whatever. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just like right. weird, but well, then well, there's stuff that's supposed to mean something. Well, well, the other thing that like I didn't, I it took me a second to like piece it together at the end, and I feel a little dumb for this. Is that, you know, uh, midway through the show, there's a scene where Lori and Angela go to Lady True's place for the first time, and they're talking, and then she sees a statue of Ozymandias, and she says, "Is this Adrian? A statue of Adrian Veidt?" And then she says, "Like, why does he yeah. look so old?" And I didn't realize until the last episode that it's like that is Adrian Veidt. Like oh, she is that was already, the first thing I thought. Yeah, she's already brought him back. Like that scene that at the end where she brings him back and coats him with the statue. Like that happened a, like a while ago, and he's been there the whole time. Right, like yeah, frozen, I, I, and they just haven't unfrozen him. Yeah, I thought he. Had, I thought he had been back, you know, years actually before they. I thought she was hanging on to him for quite a while. Yeah, well, I think she was because I think when he leaves. Um, in the last episode when he leaves Europa and he kills the game warden, um, he tells him, I think like when he, when he says like, you know, why did you, uh, why did you make me wear a mask? And he said like, I needed a wordy worthy adversary. And he said something like I have, I had eight years and something, something months to kill or something right. like that. So that's how long it's been. And eight years from 2009 is still only 2017, not 20, not 20 or maybe 2018 at the worst, you know, it's not 2019, which means, like that still all happened about a year in the past to the rest of the story. Right. And he's just been, he's just been chilling as a statue there in hey. suspended animation. Yeah. He was good. He was good. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, they've gotten, 
Man, they have gotten so good with like the de-aging stuff. Like when he has the video of him from 1985, like it's super yeah. subtle, but like he looks younger, right? Like Yeah, yeah. No, he does. Yeah. They really pull it off. And then I I also want to talk about um before we get to um Regina King, I also want to talk about some of the other characters. I really liked um uh, didn't recognize actually Louis Gossett Jr. at first. Um, yeah, Louis Jr. is old. <laughs> he is old, but he was man. great. Hey, I I agree. He was great. He was really good as and, uh, as 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 Angela's grandfather, Will Reeves. And and uh, yeah, and then um, you know um, Tim Blake Nelson. It was awesome. I thought his origin story episode like really stuck out to me. Like it was. <laughs> I really liked his origin story episode partially because so um, you you uh, will probably remember this, but, you know, the problem with the Zack Snyder Watchmen movie is it, it's actually a relatively faithful adaptation, which is usually the problem with comic movies to some extent is that they like just put all kinds of garbage in that has nothing to do with like the comic book and like in a bad way. Um, but it's actually pretty faithful. It just has no it just doesn't have the soul or spirit of the actual comic at all. You know what I mean? It's like it's very Zack Snyderized, but like shot for shot, like everything's there. The big change that they made in Watchmen was the end, which in the movie Watchmen, they made Dr. Manhattan the sort of not the villain, but like basically the whole thing was that Ozymandias was going to frame Dr. Manhattan for all these nuclear explosions in the uh, in in this series and in the graphic novel. What Ozymandias does is that he basically generates a fake gigantic alien squid, which teleport and teleports him into New York and it unleashes a psychic blast, which kills millions of people. And I was so happy in the in the um, looking glass origin story episode that we got to see some version of that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I really I thought it was really cool to like as like a kind of a watchman geek from like the for the for the comic book to actually see some version of that on screen. And I thought it was actually really well done. And I loved the way they did it from his point of view, like, you know, in like the fun house and all that, like you don't really see it. You only really see the aftermath. Right. And I, and I love the way uh, they played up his trauma afterwards. And like, yes, absolutely. It was very believable. Right. And he gets called out for like, you know, Oh, you got, you got to become a cop. So you could wear that stupid thing over your head to protect you from psychic blasts. Like, um like it was really it was it was it was very cool um and yeah i i I liked his character arc um quite a bit Um, yeah he was he was one of my favorite secondary characters yeah he he was very important in that um i feel like a decent amount i mean he's not like he's not necessarily a funny guy like like his character at all but i feel like a decent amount of the humor came from him uh, just because he had such a dry delivery of of things sometimes, and you know it, there is definitely humor in this, but it's not you know it's not by and large a funny show at all. Yeah. It's a very serious, very intense show. Like people, the whole time people would through. ask him to pull his mask down, and then they like fix their makeup or their tie or whatever. <laughs> right, right, it's right. His reflection. Yeah. Um, and so uh, and, and uh, Lori's insistence on calling him mirror guy all the time, and like finally <laughs> yeah, him just being yeah. like, "I know you know it's looking glass." <laughs> <laughs> Even in the final episode, she did it. Yep, yeah. um, did you guys think they filmed that scene actually in Hoboken? I wondered about that. It I looked know. like it. No. Yeah. They, but they do such a good job nowadays with like with you know 
yeah, fake with computer backgrounds and stuff, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous how you know because I don't I don't think they you know shot the uh, Vietnam scenes in Vietnam either. I mean, maybe they did. I don't know, but. Uh, they got HBO money. They could do whatever. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they do have so a lot of money. That was the other question. That, that is something that I um, I highlighted in my notes. I didn't know if you had any context for that. That was like a – they didn't let on that we had won the Vietnam War, won the Vietnam War, and Vietnam was now a 51st state. That was part of Angela's backstory in episode seven. Right. That's when it kind of all comes out. It's like, holy shit. I'm like totally engrossed in the show. I'm seven episodes in and, and now I'm finding all this like shit that happened in the in like all I know is we're living dystopian f- present. Right, right. They they, they but, hint at it through the show, but like only in ways where it's like, ah, oh, you should know this, like like that kind of way, which well, yeah, it's I, in the original. It was weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was weird was like, like Angela grew up in Vietnam and spoke. Vietnamese. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really that's really interesting, unique that she grew up there. Like, I didn't even like connect the dots for a minute. That that that's might have been like part of the story. Yeah, right, right. And can we can we can we like yeah to take a moment? Like, I I love the fact that this show is anchored by someone who's over forty. <laughs> like, and, yes, and you know, and a black woman and all yeah, that. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, Like, it's yeah. it, and she fucking kills it in this in this yeah. oh yeah she, she is, is she is such yeah. a regina king regina king is ridiculously good in this yeah so so good um i'm sure we'll talk at some point about whether season two happens or not um it's happening i looked it up is it well they were saying she wouldn't participate unless damon lindelhoff signed back up and i don't think he's confirmed he, he said he's right. told his story I, right? yeah i i also thought that hbo said that they wouldn't do another season if he wasn't involved in some way he, like he didn't have to be the main producer but he had to be involved in some way if they were going to want to do it yeah i mean apparently a lot has happened in the last like five days around this like it's been moving around quite a lot interesting um so I don't know. So will she become blue? Well, uh, <laughs> it certainly seemed so by the end of that. I, I mean, they kind of left that it up to no, you, but, but yeah, my, my, my read on that situation was no. In fact, I thought it was, I thought, I thought the last shot was going to be her just falling into the pool. Um, <laughs> I had hoped. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that it's I, like that Dr. Manhattan, such a dick. <laughs> Cause I, I told you, I did spend the first half of this season thinking like, okay, they, they have basically just taken Dr. Manhattan off the board, which I think was like, which I agreed with. And then of course he comes back in like a big, bad, huge way. Um, um, and I think, but I think taking a character like that off the board permanently, I think is better. Yes. Um, I think ultimately. so. Yeah. And, and, and I think they took him off the board in a very believable way. Like it wasn't, it didn't seem like a very cheap way. And I think he got like a pretty awesome like episode or two, like from when he came back to when he, to when he left. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, I, I agree with you. If they were to do future episodes, it's better that he not be part of them because it's like, that is the problem with having a character who's a God is, you know, that basically it's like, well, what, what is, you know, if he can do anything and do, you know, do whatever, I mean, what do you know? What what is what anybody else does really matter? And I feel like they solved that in the original Watchmen by basically having him not give a shit about humanity because he was so far removed from it. Um, and then in this one, they just kind of, like you said, removed him for they had a different reason that they kind of removed him. And it was a pretty ingenious 
way. I really want to go back. So after the reveal in episode seven, that, that um, Angela's husband, Cal is really Dr. Manhattan. Um, I really wanted to go back at some point and watch those early episodes and see how much that's hinted at. Cause I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for it. So I don't know, but I, it wouldn't surprise me very much if like, it's, you know, very strongly hinted at, obviously they, they, they make reference to the, to his accident and not having a memory of before the accident and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, even besides that, like, because Dr. Manhattan is mentioned a lot in this show, even before he comes back, like it is, he is, he is practically a character in his absence. Like everyone talks about how he's not here anymore. And, oh, maybe he's on Mars and like, blah, blah, blah. And Laura used to date him. So they talk about it, that, that a fair amount and all this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see like how, how much they signpost that Cal is actually Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. The, the thing like his, his backstory, like with his accident and his amnesia, like I gotta say, most of that didn't land for me. Like there's, because there's just so much going on and, and I wasn't like, Oh, when are we going to find out like what happened? Like, it's just like, it, like it wasn't something that was even on my radar. And then until it came up and they explained it, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Right. Um, right. The, the thing I thought that they explained really well, cause it was like the one question I had, like the major question I had that I could ask going into the finale was like, all right, like I get it. But like, how did the seventh cavalry know that, that, he was Dr. Man- like, how did they know Dr. Manhattan was here? Like I, like I couldn't figure out how they would have known that. And then they explained it in a pretty, like, like when they explained it, it was like, Oh, that makes sense. Like that totally makes sense. Yeah. How, how they would have, how they would have known, which is, you know, basically that he used his Manhattan powers without really knowing he did to save Angela during the white night. And then they, you know, once someone was teleported somewhere, they basically knew that it's like, well, there's only one person who can teleport. Right. Should have teleported into the yeah. moon or something. And it, and it really solved the question once and for all as to like, because I really think there was a bit of a question all the way up until that point as to like, was Judd, uh, T- Don Johnson's sheriff, was he really a bad guy or not? Like, yeah, he was part of the 7th Cavalry, it seemed like. But like, was he really a bad guy? And then in the end, it seemed like, yeah, he was. Like, the only reason he was friends with Angela is because they knew Angela's husband was Dr. Manhattan. And so they made friends with her, basically, to get close. Like, that's more or less what they say at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the whole like so maybe we could talk about this now, but the whole like seventh cavalry and um, the cyclops thing and like and it, and it, uh, Senator Bob Benson, yeah, it get, man, <laughs> that, that stuff got started getting really convoluted for me. Where it's just like like the the beginning was like a, I like I very clearly understood what that group was about and like what their motives were, and it got really weird um, when it conflated with the like the cyclops stuff, and it's like and it's like wait, are they like like are they actually racist or is that a cover? And then it's like the, the Senator, I forget his name now, the, the, the Joaquin young, junior. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, is he just like, is he on the level? Like, is he using this group for his own ends? It's like, Oh no, but maybe, Nope. He's actually racist too. And it's like, it, like it gets, it gets really weird in there um, for me for a little bit. Yeah. It's definitely I did appreciate his, I appreciated his underwear when he tried to get Dr. Manhattan's powers. Hey, if you're going to have his Dr. Manhattan's power, you have to have Dr. Manhattan's underwear. That's, That's right. I was gonna say, that is, yeah, that is Dr. Manhattan's underwear from the, uh, from the original back when he wore underwear before he just, uh, decided to just go with his dick out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with age and grace. That's right. I did like, I mean, he had a pretty good line with that though. When, uh, 
when she, when Laurie says like I like I like your panties, and he said like he's like I'm about to become the most powerful being in the world. Swinging my dick in people's faces just seems like overkill. <laughs> what do you think about watching this in a binge watching style? I was, as I was watching it and just crushing through this. I was wondering if I would have digested more if I had watched it weekly and kind of read the recaps and and all that kind of stuff versus I, knowing nothing and just blasting through. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I'm I'm a little biased, but like so so I watched when when you know when Lost was on, I watched it week by week, you know, on mm-hmm. ABC and like you know, like and on the one hand, it could be very frustrating, right? I mean, that was a lot more episodes, and some of them were really spinning their wheels and so you could really be frustrated by it but i feel like there was something really cool about after every episode like you know like a show like that kind of like talking with your friends and being like so what do you think this was or what do you think's gonna happen here like reading like some person on the internet being like so here's what i think this means and that means and all that Mm -hmm. and i think this show had a little of that going on too where it's like if you watched it we a one week at a time like you would have had some time to like think about like what something might mean or where it might be going or like your theory on it. And like you said, just digest everything that's going on, which there's a lot, you know, going on in every episode. Um, and, and a lot of little details too, that like might not be important for the plot, but are just like really cool world building details. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked the detail for instance, that they threw in that it was kind of important only in that it explained why certain things aren't there and certain things are, but like the idea that like, that after um, after the 1985 thing and Dr. Manhattan left, that he was kind of blamed. And, and for the squid thing, like technology was kind of blamed for the squid thing. And so like in this alternate universe, like or alternate America, technology never really advanced. So like they don't have like smartphones. They don't have like they don't use email. Like it's like they're still like using like fairly like antiquated like 80s and 90s technology, basically, mm-hmm. in most of the thing. Like that was like a cool little like tidbit that felt like a very realistic thing that could have although they happened. did go out of the, they did go out of the out of their way to make it obvious that everyone drives electric cars which is i thought was funny right like, right like they that's, put the, the electric wine in every time a car like they made it very yeah. obvious so like these yeah, are all yeah. electric cars yes yes was no weird. that's true yeah i guess some of that kind of goes from it's like you know it after like robert redford has been president for like 30 years basically so it's like they they talked about you know it's like they've they've done reparations which they called redfordations they've done like you know like ev- like every like liberal initiative basically has been like enacted what? was that uh, now i got the impression as a show it on that that was only for tulsa or is that because she had to like break into the she broke into the community center and and like she had to go through that whole like dna thing to, to see if she qualified or not um for reparations and at first i thought it was like oh yeah this is like full-on but but those scenes made me think like oh is this only for specific things that happen I, like i couldn't really again my, like it got a little muddled in there right i mean my assumption was that it was like national but that you know obviously like because of the tulsa massacre like tulsa like there, there's a fair amount of reparations that need to be done Right. there specifically so maybe they like got more money and and could like you know put that community center in but it wouldn't surprise me if there were other places around the country that had similar booths like the one with you know where she can do her family tree and all that yeah um going way back willie to how how we watch this i have to say i will 
I, I don't necessarily think I needed to watch one episode a week, but watching one per night, I thought was good. Like I got, I feel like I, this is the kind of show you need to, to digest a little bit. And I feel like I got more out of the episodes when I watched it one per night than the, when I had to double up those few times. Um, but it, yeah, it would have been, it would have been tough to have to wait a week between every episode. So I'm glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about some of um, the way they handled um, just policing in this show? I mean, it's a pretty relevant topic to where we're at today. I mean, there's some interesting things there to to probably unpack a little bit. And maybe some of my issues in figuring out who the good guys and bad guys are is right now. I don't know who the good guys are and the bad guys are in real life either. Right. Um, Or maybe it's pretty clear who the bad guys are. Yeah. I mean, the notion of cops feeling like they have to hide their identity to do their jobs. Like, I, like when I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I could totally see something like that actually happening. Um, and I can see, like, the weird backwards logic that makes it seem like it's a good idea. And, and the side effects of that, like, um, which they call out in the show, like, at the end there where he's like, why'd you make me wear a mask? And, you know... Um, Adrian says, well, masks make men cruel. Men cruel, yeah. Um, and, you know, echoing back to all the cops wearing masks, you know. Yeah, and um, and uh, oh. Lori has the line earlier in the series where she says, you know, can you, how can you tell, or how, how do you tell, the, do you know how you tell the difference between a masked cop and a vigilante? And then he said, neither do I. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also like, if everybody's wearing masks, you can't tell who the good guys are and the bad right. guys are. Right, Absolutely. And and I think that's I obviously some of the point they were trying to make of, you know, why, why in the end, like, I, I very much think that the point of the, that the show's view was that similar to what you said, Paul, that while you can see the, the logic that brought this around, it is not a good idea to have yeah. the cops wearing masks. And they hit that point home pretty hard at the end where like after yes. like the, the, the initial explosion, like the cops just don't have their masks on anymore. That felt very comic booky to me. Like, I don't know how they all just, on mass decided to take their masks off. But um, I don't know if you noticed like in the end when they're like cleaning up and helping everybody like, Oh, the cops don't have their masks on anymore. Oh yeah. No, I didn't I notice did, that. I was, yeah, I wasn't that. paying attention to that. Yeah. In yeah. the slow motion when they're walking outside. After yeah. The squid fall. Yeah. For <laughs> squid fall. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was That's like, right. Oh, I this guess is, I guess this is the kind of show where we get to say squid fall a whole bunch. <laughs> I liked in the first episode how in order to get access to his firearm, the police officer had to go through like a number of steps and ch- ultimately it's what got him killed. But um, yeah, that was great. Tension imagine, building, uh, that, that, that scene totally. where it's yeah. not coming out of the, yeah, there are a couple, there are a couple of, uh, I mean, overall, this is a very intense show, but it's like, I would definitely say there are like a few parts of this show that it, like the entire first episode, I would say is just super intense. Like it, it totally. really like it really gets you into the world. The the Tulsa scene, the Tulsa massacre scene in the beginning, the 1921 scene that opens the entire thing. is just it's like riveting and horrifying, absolutely horrifying. Um, and yeah. And and like the fact that you're seeing it all from the eyes of this, you know, five year old kid is just yeah, just just really who horrible. was the baby girl that he picks up. That's the girl who grows up to be his wife and Angela's ah, uh, okay. Angela's grandmother. I wasn't sure if that was exactly yeah. how that all played. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 they, they kind of explained that in his flashback episode. Um, that flashback episode was 
very interesting. So that that flashback episode is one. I mean, they explain it well enough, but that's one where I think it really helps to have the Watchmen, the old Watchmen knowledge um, of kind of who Hooded Justice was. Because mm-hmm. um, it is like it. it's they were very smart in that, you know, the original Watchmen created a lot of backstory for all of the old superheroes, the original Minutemen, your Captain Metropolises and Night Owl and Mothman and all these all these people who existed. And Hooded Justice was like the one cipher, like as the one person you never actually knew who it was. And I don't think the intention back in 1984 when Alan Moore wrote this was that he was going to be a black man. But I thought it was a really smart move to like have that pan out the way it did and and have basically, you know, the long, the young Louis Gossett Jr. be be hooded justice. And, and I just thought mm-hmm. that entire storyline was was really great. Um. Yeah, I like I, I like that. Although the practicality of beating people up with a noose around your neck feels like it's ill advised. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, I I did like I did I did like that episode a lot, um, and I felt like I felt like that was a really interesting way to fill in like holes in 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 the backstory. Like I that part I particularly liked. Um, the 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 weird framing device of memory pills notwithstanding um yeah it was a weird framing device and 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 i yet i feel like it's like after a little bit you were able to go with it pretty well and be like okay like yeah like i guess we talk about the soundtrack a little bit yeah i would love to talk about the soundtrack so the soundtrack is by trent reznor and atticus ross uh who did the social network yeah and and other things and we all we all know trent reznor obviously um but yeah, I thought it was a really, really cool soundtrack. It's it's a very the main theme is very striking. It's you know these cold synths, um, and mm-hmm. it and it's it 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 filled me with dread every time it came in. It felt like it could have been an eighty slasher movie, like like that yeah. that theme when it came, uh, and it usually like kicked in when something weird or you know eerie was going on or something like you know it kind of building up the tension. Um, and then it was also really good. You know, I, I thought they also did a surprisingly good job in the more tender moments, like, you know, when, when they needed kind of more romantic music or, or, you know, kind of, you know, that, that, that sort of music in like the last couple of episodes, you know, in the, with the Dr. Manhattan and Angela scenes. So, yeah, the, the music really makes the scene when the giant squid comes down. Yes. Like there's so much tension and the music going on when he's in the fun house. And then when everything goes nuts and when he comes out, yeah, like the music really amplified that tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, it took me a while to figure out what the fuck to make of lady true. I liked her a lot in the end, but it's like, she was definitely the character where it was like, when she was introduced, it was like, like it, it felt like a, like in the very beginning of it, it felt like a, like one character too many. Like it was like, okay, I get the seventh cavalry. Like I get the grandfather, Angela. Laurie is from like the old part of the show and she's like coming in. Like I get all this. And it's like, who is this? And it's like, and like, why am I supposed to care? Like I'm obviously supposed to care about her and I'm like, you know, I'll like, I'll see how this fits in. But it's like, who is this strange woman who's like, has this very like kind of sick, like her voice kind of reminded me of like Dolores Umbridge from like Harry Potter or something. This like very sickly <laughs> sweet, like I'm going to be your best friend kind of voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it was like, she's building this giant thing. So like, t- it, it, 
kind of took me aback, but I thought they integrated her very well after, after like the first episode or two, like it's like, it became very, you know, it made a lot of sense. Like the more you learned about her, the more it was like, Oh, like this, you know, is obviously like, she obviously does fit in like, like to the, to the larger narrative more and more. And then obviously like the reveal that she's Adrian's daughter um, was, you know, the, the kind of obvious thing at the end. Yeah. She was the one character that felt, the, or she was the character who felt the most tropey to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I, I could have picked her up and dropped her in any number of like superhero shows or movies and she would have worked. Um, like, so she felt, you know, she felt like the, the kind of generic ultra rich bad guy with very low affect. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and uh, who like knows who is like, knows every like seems to like be like three steps ahead of everybody at all times kind of thing yeah 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 Yeah, no i i definitely know what you mean and 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 i would kind of agree with you um the other person who i grew to like but i would say that i found Lori blake somewhat one note in the beginning she was very funny but i felt like it's like after a while, like it was a little bit like, yeah, you're very world weary. I get it. And like, you know, it's like, you've seen it all. Like, it's like, but, but there was like a little bit of like, stop being such a dick to everybody, please. Like, and then, I and then, and then she, she, her... she, she won me over, but you know, by, by about midway through. I accidentally watched her get dropped through that trap door like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a hysterical scene. I, I it hated was that really scene. funny where it's like, it was a thing where it was a little like, it felt like it's like, man, Laura, you like, you weren't on your game there where it's like, cause she's normally kind of, you know, pretty with it. And it's like, if somebody seems to all of a sudden be acting kind of evil and then like points a remote at you and starts clicking it frantically, like maybe move or like do something. <laughs> like, don't just be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I, I, I hated that scene because I felt like, um, Blake is way too smart to fall for all this bullshit. And then, like, even when it fell a little bit, she was still like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Why aren't you even trying to move? Move, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right." It's like, "Oh well, the plot needs her to fall through the floor, so I guess that's what's going to happen." Right. Uh, maybe they explained it, and I missed it. When Angela was hooked up to the tubes that were hooked up to the elephant, what was up with that? Oh well, so they never forget. So right. <laughs> So that that I mean, is, I, I, I thought. I, I feel like that case, that was but... the, that was the joke they were making. I'm pretty sure there. Um, okay. Yeah, because yeah, because they're using they're flooding her uh, by her brain with cerebrospinal fluid, right? To to get rid of the nostalgia, and they just said it was from a living host, basically, which he assumed was her grandfather, okay. but turned out to be an elephant, <laughs> which kind of freaks well, as far her as out. we know it's not her grandfather <laughs> yeah yeah no. maybe that elephant was her grandpa that's right well we we only know what her what what is it her paternal grandfather her maternal grandfather may be an elephant we don't know that is true that is true the secret yeah secret history of angela abar um anything i mean there's a lot i feel like we could talk for another hour about specific plot points or, or things like that but I, I don't know is there anything else major that we want to discuss uh with regards to this show i mean i have follow-ups but it's not about the show specifically so um the one thing that i'll say is having watched it all i think that they should not make any more of it 
uh, I think it, it holds together well. It, it, it works as like a mini series type of thing. And I have trouble. Yeah. I, I would be really scared of another season. And if it would not just tank the whole thing. I, I agree. I, I think they could do another season and it would be good, but I think this series was more than good. And, and I think that it had a lot to say, which was surprise. Like, I was surprised at that a little bit at just how much it had to say about basically like the black experience. Like, like, I mean, and, and that wasn't even necessarily the full point of the show, but there was so much in there about it. And I just can't see how a follow-up season, whether it's about that or about something else would be as relevant basically. Like, like I totally agree. I mean, it's funny as somewhere as I'm approaching episode seven, I was like, man, we're going to have to do like three more seasons to tie this up. And somehow in the last three episodes, like even though even episode seven was character development, it was just like, holy shit, they wrapped a bow on that and I- I'm good, you know? Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't think there was uh, the, the, the only question left hanging, which, uh, which isn't actually hanging. If you uh, look at the uh, supporting materials that HBO released was who Lube Man was. That would be the oh, only. Oh shit! Uh, that's right. I forgot yeah. all about that guy. Yeah. yeah. Who was Lube Man? You want to know who it was? Of course. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny who it was. It was Agent Petey. What? Um, <laughs> the 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 yeah yeah the dorky agent who Laurie was always with. He he was actually Lube Man, which kind of makes sense. He was pretty uh he was pretty obsessed with superheroes and vigilantes. It makes sense he'd want to kind of be one himself. You think he could come up with something better? Yeah, I mean, he didn't call himself Luke Man. That's that's what the other guy, the red red scary guy, called him. But, Slippery uh, Pete is his name. Yeah, this is this is kind of part of the weirdness of this of this TV show. It's like there's these weird moments that I totally forgot about. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was a fucking weird scene. It was a weird. It's kind of an awesome scene where he like goes in the sewer gate and she's like, "What the fuck?" Like, like, I know. <laughs> I will I will say this much. I think a lot of time in Damon Lindelhoff's work, the characters will, will utter exactly what you as a viewer are thinking in your head. Because yeah. exactly like, you're, I'm just like, what the fuck? And then she delivers that same line. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I feel, yeah, there are definitely scenes like that. I, I felt that way at the end too, where, uh, where they arrest Adrian and he starts monologuing and Wade hits him over the head and is like, the guy talks too much. <laughs> I do feel like, um, now I haven't seen The Leftovers, but I do feel like this is kind of a perfection or a revision on the form of, especially Lost Season 1, of like dumping you into the world and like we're going to reveal things via, via flashback throughout the first season so you understand all the characters. Um, and... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the first season of Lost. I think it's r- really, really good. Um, but this is like a a much more distilled, like better version of that same yes. structure, I felt like. That's a good call. I was going to ask, that was my follow-up question was, had you seen The Leftovers, either of you, and does this spur you to want to see it? I saw the first season of The Leftovers and part of the second season, and I stopped around there. Um I probably shouldn't have because my, my understanding is that like the second and third seasons actually got quite a bit better. The first season wasn't bad. I think it's, it's never a bad show, but it is a bleak 
show. <laughs> At least the parts that I saw, it was like, it's a hard show to watch. It's just like, man, like this is a sad show kind of like, it's like that kind of show, but it's, it's very interesting. And, and the performances are great in, in the leftovers. So hmm. Yeah, I, I might at some point go back to it and, and watch the rest. Like like I said, it's just how much appetite I have for just, you know, misery kind of because a lot of misery <laughs> in that show. And, and, you know, this show is intense and a lot of bad things happen, but I would not call this a show of misery like that. This is no, a very no. exciting show in, in a lot of ways. And, and it's a show that ends on a fairly positive note, although a bittersweet one. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I did not feel like I, I, I never finished an episode. And was like, well, humanity really sucks, huh? Um. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because even when humanity did suck, I feel like they were focusing on the efforts of, you know, a few people to kind of transcend that or to kind of fight against that. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was uh, Will and the flashbacks or Angela or, you know, basically our, our kind of cadre of heroes. You know, what was interesting is um, the formula for all of these are the hero's journey, right? And there was never a moment where I felt like, okay, the good guys aren't going to win here, but it was still like a totally compelling watch. It's funny. Like I, 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 I very distinctly remember having the thought early in this series of like, oh, this is one of those shows where like, yeah, there probably aren't really any good guys, um, of which ultimately like I don't agree with that, but um you know, but like you said, like you know, even Angela, like as a cop, like she does a lot of bad cop things. Um, sure. Even though she's ultimately our hero. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that was very much like that was true. I would say to Watchmen's original ethos, like when you know the whole like idea in a lot of ways of what Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons wrote in the original comics was kind of the idea of like, all right, like let's do comic books, but like none of these guys are good guys like they all have their like some of them are like pretty Mm. shitty people and none of them like are without like you know some skeletons in the closet or something that you know is not good speaking of which you know i wanted to ask you about the original graphic novel was hooded justice there portrayed as not straight hooded justice yes hooded justice was portrayed as so so in the original watchmen just to explain like there's um it, it mainly focuses on what happened to a group of superheroes that were kind of the second iteration of the Minutemen. See, so this included like um, Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan and um, Ozymandias and uh, uh, Laurie, who was uh, the second Silk Spectre. And then there was this original group of Minutemen, and that was where Hooded Justice and Captain Metropolis and those other people were. So you only really even saw them in flashback in the original Watchmen or in other materials. But yes, whenever he was talked about, it was strongly hinted at that he was gay. Um, but, but not that he was black. Yeah, I, I just, it was like, a, it was like a detail in the show that I liked that in, insofar as like it was there and then like, it wasn't a huge deal and it wasn't like, a, it wasn't like something like the plot turned on. It was just like a, you know, a fact of the world kind of a thing, which I liked. Right. Right. Yeah, it was definitely like probably made a little bit of a bigger deal in the original Watchmen. It's not a huge plot point, but I think it's like it's put in there to show about how like this person was like a revered hero and yet very much had to hide this like major part of him. Uh, Because, of course, you know, that was, you know, even even at the time that 
Watchmen was written in the 80s, it you know would not have been cool, quote unquote, to be openly homosexual. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I liked I really liked the way that was handled um, uh, in there. Um, one thing that I think would be, you know, if you guys liked Watchmen, which I think you did, um, the original Watchmen, the, you know, along with each. Um, so I have it as a graphic novel, but it originally came out as a set of comic books and each comic book had at the end of the comic book a set of supplementary materials, um, which would basically be like, so there was the comic book and then there would be like an excerpt from a book that like w- was written by one of the characters or like a police report or like about like one of the characters or something like that. So it was all written the same way, but it was like presented as like, oh, here's some supplementary materials from the world. And HBO did that too. They basically have a website called PDpedia, P-E-T-E-Y-pedia, which is basically files that that um agent pd is putting together that's like the conceit but for each episode there are some supplementary materials and i read through a few of them and i thought they were really cool like they each one of them they like fill in a little bit of the story that of what's going on in each episode um like for instance um at the very uh what the eighth or ninth episode when um john meaning uh dr manhattan goes to visit um will and he finds him at like the old mansion um and uh nelson gardner's mansion and and goes in and talks to him and it's explained like one of the things uh one of the uh supplementary materials is nelson gardner's will so the nelson gardner is captain metropolis and it has like his handwritten will and talks about how he wants to leave everything to will reeves and how like it, it, and it's kind of well written. It's just kind of cool to read because it talks about how it's like you know, like Will probably will not want to like any part of this. Like you know, he and I like I was not nice to him when we were together. But you know, it's like I, he was like the only true friend I ever had. It was the only time I was happy was when I was with him. And like I I owe him this. Like you need to tell him that I owe him this. Like this is my part of like trying to make amends for not helping him like when, when we were younger and like stuff like it was just like kind of cool to read and it kind of explains why he's in that mansion in the end. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I'll check those out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought they were really cool and it's like, you know, it, and it helps to kind of build the world uh, still, which I thought was, you know, really neat. So I don't think we're going to find out what happens to Petey, do we? He just, no, he just like don't. he just like calls agent Nelson and like, she never shows he's up still, and it's just like, he's, he's like still eh, stuck in right. that bunker. He's <laughs> Like, oh man, is she ever gonna get here? Yeah, because she was like, "Just wait me, wait for me there," and then she falls <laughs> in the trap door. <laughs> That's true. What are you doing? I'm doing my thing. Yeah. I'll catch you later. That's right. That's right. And then he's he's just sitting in Wade's bunker with all those dead people. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are so many little things that I I just loved in in this. Like like you said, I I just it it is rare to see. I mean, they had the advantage, obviously, of you know, there's a world that was already made but it just there was so much about it that just felt so so good like i loved like the idea of wade's bunker for instance like it 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 makes so much sense that that's who he would have become and he's got this like alarm and just you know just every little bit of sort of who he is i think what made that awesome was also kind of the reveal when he figures out like that was my whole life and all this behavior was totally unnecessary yeah it was just a hoax yeah yeah, no, absolutely. Like it definitely does shake him when he when he sees that video and like kind of realizes what the truth is about basically his whole life of like what what's kind of led up to that point. 
Yeah, I could not. I don't. I don't want to get bogged down on plot points again. But I do have one more question, which is. Yeah, no. Please. I don't know if you guys know. Like, I don't know why they showed him all that stuff, and then they're like, "All right, we'll send guys to kill him now." Like, they well, were like, "We could go kill Angela, but we don't want to." And I guess, and I guess, ultimately, I guess the answer is they couldn't actually go kill Angela. They were probably afraid of Cal doing something if they did. Right, because they didn't know that he didn't. Like, I don't think they didn't really know that he didn't know he was Doctor Manhattan. Probably. I mean, they, they had no way to know that. Right. Okay. So they basically, so, so, yeah. So they had every, so, so they, they so, had, so, so I think, so, so I think you're right about why they didn't go after Angela. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, they were like, yeah. like, Oh, we, we could just kill Angela. If we don't want to, but we will kill you. And I was like, why could they do one, but not the other? But yes, right. now I think that's the reason, but you get at my, maybe my biggest nitpick with the plot. And, and I don't have many cause I thought it was a very well-written, I think plot and it tied things up very well. But it doesn't scan for me that Adrian Veidt would have left something so incriminating as a video where he explains his entire plan and just have that just be a thing that everyone can see. Like, I could buy that he would have, like, recorded it in some way that, like, almost like a Mission Impossible, like, this disco self-destruct thing, like, for Robert Redford's eyes only, and that maybe the other people get told it via a briefing, so it can never, like, all they can say is that, like, well, so-and-so told me that this was the case, but it's, like, it can never come back to him. Right. But, like, that's, like, a pretty, like, like, in the original Watchmen, they make it a big point. It's it's actually, a, in my opinion, it's a pretty cool, like, subversion of the, you know, the usual trope where... At the end of Watchmen, um, Rorschach and Night Owl come to uh, Adrian Veidt's, you know, his his place in Antarctic or or in uh, the Arctic or whatever um, to, um, you know, to to confront him about his plan. They didn't know exactly what his plan is, but they know that he's going to do something bad and they come to confront him about it. And then they talk to him and he explains what he's going to do, he explains like why he's going to do it and what he's going to do. And then they say, like, well, like, we're not going to let you do that. And then he's like, do you like, do you really think I would have said any of this if like there was a reason where you could stop it? Like, I did this 35 minutes ago. Like, right. like, he's, like and it's like a pretty like it's a pretty awesome reveal where he's like, this is done. Like, I'm explaining to you now what has already happened while we've been standing here talking. And so it's like the guy who would do that, like who like wouldn't even say it like he would only do it when he was sure that nothing could prevent the outcome. It's like how would he make a video like that? Like, it just doesn't seem likely to me. It's so easily incriminating. I don't know, Nish, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you never know if a president's going to read a brief or not. <laughs> oh, but they will watch TV. Come on, Willie. That's true. They, they, they will watch a video. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's, that's a good why point. I made the video. Yep. Yep. That's good point. All right. On that note, why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and wrap things up for uh, now and uh, give this a grade? So, uh, uh, Paul, you want to start? Um, sure. So, um, I'll make this as brief as I can. I, I really like the series. I thought it was really good. Um, it, I I thought when we were starting, like I thought we were going to tell like a well understood story where the fate of the world wasn't at stake. And I kind of like that, like, you know, um, a lot of superhero stuff can ramp up the stakes too quickly. And then the show kind of takes a turn midway through. And like, I feel like loses the first half of the plot a little bit. Like I would have liked it if the story had remained small. And I, 
you know, I, I, and I think they muddied the water too much with the seventh cavalry. Like, like they didn't, they didn't need to make those guys like more extra evil or anything like that. And they kind of did. Um, but all that, all that being said, I like the whole thing quite a lot. It holds together super well. Um, and I'll probably revisit it at some point um, because it's so dense and there's so much in there that I'll probably want to watch it again, but it'll take me a while. Um, yeah. So all in all, I would say, you know, with, with those quibbles aside, um, um, I'm going to give this, <laughs> the first season of Watchmen, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Um, and with the, the only thing keeping it from being a five, in my opinion, like it's, it's not the performances, it's not the cinematography. It's not, it's, it's just like, it's just like, oh, okay, we're going to do like a whole like, you know, crazy person wants to take over the world story. Like, okay. Like I kind of thought it would be something different um, playing in the Watchmen universe. Um, but that other than that, like just, you know, kind of loved it top to bottom. All right, Willie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to piggyback off your complaints and tell you why they didn't bother me. Uh, uh, for me, this was actually goddamn like, I can't remember the last TV show I got into like this. First of all, I can't remember a show where I thought the character development was so like well done and perfect. The music was well done. The cinematography, your beefs, Paul, I actually uh, go the other way on that um, because the characters are pretty imperfect. So there are situations where you have good people doing bad things. And I like the idea of the fact that, no, no, this is not a situation of good people doing bad things. These are fucking bad people doing bad things. And, and it takes a minute to delineate who the bad people are doing bad things and who the good people are doing bad things are. I, I like the way they drew that out. I love the fact that like all this shit had happened and we get to some massive character development, like even later in the season. And I didn't feel like it lost the beat. Like, Honestly, this is a five out of five for me. Like, I think there's no reason to not watch this. I think there's real relevance to what's going on today. I think it's probably real relevance to what's been going on for fucking a hundred years. And the acting was fucking off the charts good. So you should see this. And I'm with you guys, though. I I don't think I want to see a second season. I think I want it to end like that and just wrap a bow on it and be like, that was a great season of tv and call it a day i i do want to i do want to clarify something real quick like it's my problem isn't with like the, the way the characters develop or any of that it's it's that the scale got really big of, of the show got really big uh, and yeah yeah and they took and they took the quote-unquote bad guys and it's like mm, like the bad guys who like let's face it they were bad enough and they didn't have to like slather that extra layer of super bad on top of it um right which i feel like kind of I, like could be could be seen i don't know how they intended but it could be seen as like oh like they were kind of bad guys but now they're really bad guys it's like no they were already really bad guys like you didn't have to make them comic book villain bad guys um especially for a show that's like essentially about superheroes but is you know dr manhattan aside kind of grounded in reality that's kind of the the world of watchmen in a lot of ways right. so right those, those, those are my quibbles that that knock it down for me but not that much yeah, I don't have too much to add to what you guys said. I feel like this is it's not a perfect show. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I mentioned a couple of things that I had small quibbles with, but I don't think a show needs to be perfect for me to give it five stars. So I, I, I'm giving it a five out of five. Um, it's I, I think it's just it was 
incredibly done, in my opinion. I you mentioned the uh, one of you guys mentioned the cinematography. I think Paul, you mentioned the cinematography, which we didn't even really talk about. Um, but even that, I feel like that was one of the things that I actually liked about the Watchmen movie when it wasn't the slow motion Zack Snyder specials. Like it actually had some pretty cool cinematography, and this actually kept that feel. Like it actually felt in that way of a piece with the movie. Um, but had some really cool like match cuts and things going on between scenes um, that that I thought were really neat. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think it's just like like you said, there's like there's no reason not to watch this. I, I feel like everybody should watch this. It You will find something to like in it. I, I almost can guarantee it. Um, it's It's just really, really well done and really surpassed any expectations I had for it. By the way, I know we've wrapped our grades on this, but something I really liked as a sci-fi, you know, I'm always into, we're, we're kind of all into time travel movies. And I love the scene where uh, Dr. Manhattan was, was he can kind of be, he experiences time differently, right? He basically experiences it as a whole. Yeah. And he's having a conversation in 2019 with Angela and in 19, whatever year it was with her grandfather, like at the same, they were basically communicating with each other across time. Like I thought that was like super unique and different from anything I've seen, like regarding time and time travel. Yeah. yeah. How she were, ultimately it, gets the, that gets the chief killed because <laughs> she puts him on, on his radar. Yeah. 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 yeah no, they, they did a lot of cool stuff with that. I thought, and I also liked how he kept explaining it. And then like, they got to a point where like he says it to Adrian, Adrian's like, yeah, yeah. You experienced time differently. I remember like, thanks. <laughs> like, thank you very much. Like, <laughs> I got it. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, boy. All right, so we've we've talked about Watchmen, which was kind of a, a it wasn't really a reboot. I mean, the way that Damon Lindelof uh, describes it is he re- described it as a remix is, is the way he said it. Um, he, he said this isn't a reboot. It's not exactly a sequel. It's kind of a remix of the Watchmen universe. And I think that's actually a pretty valid uh, yeah. uh, exception. But, you know, there are a lot of uh, reboots and sequels and remakes and things going around and so paul i think that got you thinking about something right yeah well like you said there's there's a lot of stuff like that and um and i was thinking like um in some ways uh, being gen xers being the the forgotten generation um (laughs) you know seems like maybe our entertainment's also forgotten and we just get we just get the stuff we watch as kids regurgitated to us again but um there's a there's a lot of stuff either getting reboots or like I don't know we we need a term for this these time delay sequels where like like the franchise you thought was dead gets a sequel um, yeah and I'm just wondering like, the, uh, like like Ghostbusters Afterlife or like uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine or like like these kinds of things right <laughs> yeah 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 exactly you know you're you're Fuller Houses you're yes you know um, so. It seems like everything's getting this treatment lately, but I was wondering, like, what what deserves this treatment and hasn't gotten it? What deserves to be either redone, remixed, or this time delay sequel? Like, what do you guys? What would you guys like to say? So I, I'll go first. One one that came to mind. I would never want this to be remade, but a time delay sequel, maybe time delay sequel. I could see this being okay. One thing that I always thought like it was like this was such a good movie and never like it was never revisited in any way from our childhood was 
Big Trouble in Little China. That was that was one that came to my mind as like one where it's like like such a fucking cool movie and kind of a movie that probably shouldn't have worked, but did. Um, and I would never want to see it remade because I don't think that I, I think it would they would just butcher it. But like maybe a time delay sequel where there's like where Kurt Russell's still there because Kurt Russell's still good and compelling. Like I like Kurt Russell. I like watching Kurt Russell and stuff like he's still a really fun guy to watch in movies. So that was the first thing that occurred to me as like an actual answer. The other answer I had was the gritty reboot of Alf that I've always wanted in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he showed up in some rando commercials and shit, but you know, you talking about Alf or Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a tough one, man. Cause he, I, I was like, let me Google shit from the 80s. And I kind of think that's what most movie houses have done by now. I know. They, they've right? gone through this exercise. So, like, I started going through. I was like, oh, what about the 48 Hours movies with Eddie, like any of the Eddie Murphy movies? But I'm pretty sure they're, I think they're doing a sequel to 48 Hours, like a, a or time delayed, you know, sequel to Yeah, it. I think I'd heard uh, that, right? Is it I mean, called they did do another 48 Hours? Yeah, because they already had another 48 40- hours right um i thought the karate kid which they've definitely done sequels and then they rebooted with cobra kai that show on youtube which is fucking great by the way if you haven't seen it a couple things you know the easy ones would be like a goonies or back to the future of ferris bueller's day off they could probably pull off a ferris bueller's day off but um the ones that jumped out for me seem to be uh old guy stuff and then maybe a sci-fi like number one the the old guy stuff do you guys remember the george burns movie oh god oh of course yeah like that could be a different one because they did two or three of those they did we just need a really two of them i think um oh god and you know oh god you devil yeah there was that but there was also the second oh god was called something else oh god it was like oh god part two but the part two was like done in like oh god chapter two maybe that was what it was it was like it was like, like a Bible pun or some kind. I just can't remember what it was. Right. Um, I love the grumpy old men movies. I feel like they could redo those. There's plenty of like kind of older actors that we would that we would dig on. So who would be in, in Oh God or Grumpy? Like who, who do you see as like the grumpy old men or God? Who's, <laughs> oh, who's, who's Clint, e- Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood <laughs> is the- I don't know if he's God, but he's certainly one of the grumpy old men. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. Who's a distinguished old dude? I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 what I was asking. Fucking da- maybe Danny Glover. I, I yeah. kind of want to look it up now because I feel like if you go back, those people were probably like 55. And those Not movies. that old. Yes. Yeah. I mean, George Burns felt like he was always old, but yeah. Is, is there an ancient comedian still kind of kicking around right now? Well, not Carl Reiner. Oh, oh man! Sorry, too soon. Womp. <laughs> uh, the other one that came to mind that I think there's—I have not figured out why they've not done this because there is a whole plethora of material ready to be uh, punned on. They need to make another Spaceballs movie <laughs> for this for the for the uh, for the new trilogy, or yeah, and or the prequels. Yeah, there's just plenty of material there. Man, could, could that work now? I don't even know. Like, is there is there room for that kind of parody? I don't know. 
I don't know. The, the other one that I had, which, um, you know, they made cartoons after this movie and a Broadway show. Um, and I think they could do some cool stuff with effects with uh, Beetlejuice. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a bad that, one. That's that's not a bad one, but like that's one of those ones where it's like, ah, I really like like that movie so much. Like, I don't know what you could. Well, I mean, can we get Michael Keaton back? He's right. going to do Batman, right? I'm sure he would do it. Time time delay sequel where he's like old Beetlejuice, right? Um, I I I I had an initial thought on this on this question, which I'll tell you guys in a second. But the the thing I actually would like to see is a straight up reboot. Forget the rest of it of the Predator series, because oh yeah, that's it was kind of like one. it was kind of like a nice clean concept that got really messy and really bad and and super convoluted and weird. And if they could just like ditch all that and just be like like maintain kind of like the original concept, I feel like those movies could be really good because um, the original movie is really good. Um, but. I feel like Arnold kind of made that movie. To be honest with you, would you would you want it to be a reboot or or would you want it to be like a uh, Superman Returns style? Like, let's pretend a whole bunch of movies never existed and just like like make this a sequel to like Predator or Predator Two. Oh, see now that's wild because that's a whole other thing that like I don't even know what to call those, but like right there, the, one, the ones that lop off some of the continuity. Yeah, yeah I want to call them like. Uh, yeah. Forget quills or something. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it could be that. Could be that. Could be. Could be the sequel to Predator Two. That's what. That's as far into the series as I'm willing to go. Yeah, or, the, um, or like the ones that like unwind after the fact, like uh, like how X Men: Days of Future Past basically like undid all of the Last Stand. Like said, so like oh, like like now this never happened. <laughs> that was a, that was a masterstroke, by the way. It was. Series, I, yeah, I it was pretty so awesome. Much. Yeah. Um. And then, but the thing, the thing that I initially thought of was like, oh, they could do like a, a, um, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a, like a, like a next generation version of the Golden Girls, um, which my wife pointed out was probably basically hot in Cleveland. Hot um, in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's then, a good point. But I like that idea. I mean, like that, that is a, like Golden Girls seems like not a bad one to just redo because it's yeah. a pretty simple premise. And then my wife had the hilarious idea that if they did a time delay sequel uh, of um, Sex in the City, that that would basically be Golden be Girls. Be Golden now. Girls, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. That's funny. That would that would that would be pretty good. I looked it up by the way, and uh, Jack Lemmon was sixty eight, and Walter Matthau was seventy three when Grumpy Old Men came out. Okay. So but, yeah, they were I mean, they were not that old. <laughs> So Stallone and Schwarzenegger are like 70, 70 and 73. Oh my God. Yeah, We're going to go. get a grumpy old man with those two at some point, aren't we? Like that as, would be as, awesome. As soon I, as you I said would that, watch like, that. The, the cogs like clicked into my head. I was like, someone's going to make that movie. Like that just makes too much sense. I would totally watch that. Yeah. Did you yes. guys have the problem coming up with the answer to this question that I did? That like literally everything I thought of has already had this. Has already applied happened. To it. All of yep. them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's totally. really out of control. But, uh, how about another Demolition Man? Did they reboot that? No, no, they haven't. They, they rebooted. Uh, they rebooted Dread, Judge Dread, or mm. or did a redo of Judge Dread, just called a, Dread. A couple of times, right? Didn't they? Did they make or have they made that Mega City One show or whatever? Or is that still? Oh, I don't know. Coming. I heard yeah. it. I, I don't think I'd heard about that. 
Yeah, and the other the other supposed reboot that's coming at some point, which is like shit movies from when I was a kid that I liked, are the Highlander movies. Um, <laughs> oh. Talking about like a series that just like went straight into shitter and got real convoluted. But there's there's been a rumored like reboot of that coming kind of for for years now, which will probably never happen. I like that premise. That's the thing is you want a you want a movie that had a really good premise that was really shittily executed and just done better. Right. But I feel like they've mostly done that. I wouldn't mind a Jaws reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, Maybe. They, a Jaws, I will put it this way. A Jaws reboot would probably not be any worse than Jaws 2, 3, or, or The Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is kind of weird. I mean, Jaws 2 is okay. It's just like a rehash. But Jaws 3 or Jaws 3D... And Jaws the Revenge are pretty atrocious. It's kind Jaws, of Jaws three is the one at SeaWorld? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. And then Jaws uh, Jaws the, the Revenge other, is the one with Michael Caine. The uh the <laughs> other one that came to mind for me would be um Gremlins. I always liked the premise of Gremlins. Oh man, I hated those movies. Really? Yeah. You, you hated Gremlins 2? Gremlins 2 is awesome. I, I mean Gremlins 2 is a very different movie than Gremlins, to be fair. Gremlins 2 pop- is like a it's, oh, yeah. you know what? The other one that I had that that, that would be good is um, a sequel to E.T. where that motherfucker comes back. <laughs> would that be the subtitle? E.T. 2, that <laughs> motherfucker comes back. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that like that Steven Spielberg did a treatment for an E.T. sequel. Um, oh, which didn't sound like it would be very good. Like it was like. It was like aliens invading, like to find, and like ET came back, and you like found out ET's real name and shit like that. Like it was, yeah, oh no, yeah, 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 exactly. It was like definitely a little bit like this is explaining way too much about stuff that we didn't need explained. <laughs> like one of those kinds of things. You know, I looked it up. Uh, uh, speaking, going back to your Highlander comment, Paul Christopher Lambert, not that old. <laughs> He's like sixty three or something like that. Is that I all he would is? be? I thought he would be way older than that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he was uh, yeah, really young when when Highlander. Like he was, I guess he was like thirty or something when Highlander came out. Yeah, he was twenty nine. Holy crap! Jesus, put him back. Don Rickles. <laughs> Don Rickles would be one of my grumpy old men. <laughs> uh, Don Don, I, I hate to break this to you, but Don Rickles passed away. No. <laughs> yeah, three years ago. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> He's telling jokes with Carl Reiner. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, any, I'm any sure other, all those uh, things. I'm sure all those things will get remade and/or sequelized at some point. That's right. We can say it was our idea. <laughs> Does do, do we get any like money for that? No. <laughs> no. Okay. We we just get bragging rights. No. Lethal Weapon. We, Would you watch a reboot of Lethal Weapon? Uh, does it have Mel Gibson in it? No. It's got, Wait, um, did, did they make a TV show of this? Yeah, they did. Uh, with uh, See, they already did it, Willie. They already rebooted it. Was was Damon Wayans? Yeah, and then they recast the the lead in the second the, season. The, the other, yeah, the 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 guy who was the uh, Riggs character, right? Right. right. Yeah, I'm trying to. There's way too much to look up. Yeah, it was Clay Clay Crawford was the uh, original Riggs. And then and then Damon Wayans. And then he was re- replaced by Stifler as a new who played a new oh, character. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's the lane. I think that there are plenty of movies starring old people in the eighties that they that they haven't touched on. That's cocoon. Fair. cocoon. I was gonna say cocoon, <laughs> cocoon remake. Uh, batteries not included. Oh, oh I loved batteries not included. Me too. Yeah. Uh, you could do. Um, I'd be up for a batteries not included. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about a reboot or, but maybe the time delay sequel we were talking about. Like what? What if those? Yeah hamburger looking aliens been up to <laughs> what about like a little house on the prairie i i was never into little house on the prairie in the first place so yeah, i don't know that i'd be i don't know that i'd be any more interested if they were to remake it there's definitely this like there was like those I think were like a little like those were when we were really little or like even before we were born. But like this whole like subgenre of the, these weird Western family shows like the Waltons and like Little House yeah. on the Prairie where it's like I don't care about these at all. <laughs> like like I just have no like no desire. Speaking of kind of old Western stuff, my kids and I were jamming through Disney Plus and they were like they want to watch Old Yeller. And I'm like, I don't think you want to watch this movie. Yeah, I don't watch it. Why? Uh, yeah. No, oh, I, I just told him. I was like, it, it ends with the dog dying. I just spoiled it. And like, oh, I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> it's like exactly. Why would you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did watch um, the first Pirates of the Caribbean and midway through the second one this week, uh, and they're loving it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah we um, we wa- we listen sometimes in the car to like movie themes. And stuff and they like you know the kids like love like the movie songs and stuff like that and Pirates of the Caribbean came on and uh, Oscar asked my, my older son asked you know basically what this was and then when I told him he was like could we watch it and I was like eh, I think you gotta be a little older mm. <laughs> it's, like, it's a little yeah he's five the kids definitely yeah, we gotta, yeah. They, they covered their eyes quite a bit when they found out they were cursed and it would go back and forth from skeletons oh between knocks. the skeleton yeah yeah exactly yeah that would have freaked out my kids yeah, quite quite yeah. a bit. They watched Ratatouille this weekend, and I had to ask me to turn it off at some point because it had gotten too scary. I I don't know what part exactly they were scared <laughs> of because I was not totally paying attention while while they were watching. Then all, I just all of a sudden they were like, "Dad, can we watch something else?" I was like, "I wonder, I wonder what was so scary in Ratatouille." I like, couldn't yeah. figure it out. Yeah. If all right, if we're talking about stuff our kids watched, um, I. I don't think I told the story on the show, but we had a movie night with my kid and um, she wanted to watch Aladdin, um, which she's seen. And I was like, no, we're, we're going to watch something you haven't seen. And she's like, okay, well, I, she's, and we're looking at Disney Plus. She goes, I haven't seen the Aladdin with the real people in it. And I was like, you want to watch that? And she's like, yeah. I was like, mm, okay. And I put it on and you know, it's playing the opening song or same opening song from the animated movie. And we get about two minutes in and my kid who's five goes, um, can we watch something else? And I was like, sure. And I turned it <laughs> off and, she, and I was like, you, you didn't want to watch that? And she just looks at me and she goes, I think that movie is for older kids. Uh, <laughs> and then we watched Big Hero 6, which was great. And I had never seen it before. And Oh, Big, Big Hero 6 is really good. Yeah. 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 I really like that I want movie. my that kids to watch, to want to watch that, but I haven't gotten them to yet. It's also a little intense. Mm. I think they probably need to be a little older. There's some, there's some pretty intense scenes in that one. Yeah. For sure. Good yeah. flick, though. Yeah. But, very, very but not the flick we're watching for the next episode. What are we watching That's next right. Time? What are we watching next time? We are very excited because um, coming right up, uh, I believe on July 3rd, 
uh, Disney Plus is will have uh, Hamilton, the filmed version of Hamilton available. And that is what we will be watching for our next show. Um, I think we're all very excited because um, I I think I'm maybe the only one. I don't know. I have never seen Hamilton. Um, it just was one of those things I never was able to do when it came around here to D.C. or, or whatnot. Um, so I'm very excited. Paul, I believe you have seen Hamilton multiple times, correct? Uh, yes, I've seen it three times in the theater. Uh, in the theater. I thought three times in the theater. <laughs> uh, Where else did you see it? <laughs> and it's entirely possible that once this comes out, I will watch nothing else for the next two weeks. So it's a good thing we're going to review oh, Jesus. it. Jesus, that's fair enough. And Willie, have you ever seen Hamilton? Where are you I in did. my did. That's all my daughter wanted for her birthday last year. There you and go. And it was a crazy expensive birthday present. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was great. Um, when you saw it, Paul, in any of the times you saw it, did you see it with the original cast? Um, I saw it. Um, so the most of the original cast left after all the Tonys uh, in 2016. Right. And I saw it. Uh, for the first time in early November of 2016. Um, so I saw most of the leads had left, but I yeah. saw um, like the original chorus and um, several of the, like not, not the major players, but like, you know, I saw like the original Peggy and like the original um, um, Lafayette or um Fuck, his name is flying out of my head. But the other guy with the pants, Aaron Burr, Hercules Mulligan, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and a couple other guys like that. But like, not with like Lin Manuel Miranda or anything like that. Yeah, or like Leslie Odom Jr. Like those people. Yeah, no, yeah. So that's left, so, yeah. so 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 that'll be cool because this is the original Broadway cast, basically, in this uh, filmed version of Hamilton. So yeah, we'll be watching that uh, next week. We also, I think, we'll have a mini flicks out before then on something. You never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We may or may not. Uh, in the meantime, uh, be- between now and then, um, Paul, how can uh, people contact us if they want to do that for some reason? Uh, they could send us email at podflix at gmail.com and no other way. That's the only way. Please don't, don't do anything else. Just do that. Just send us email. All right. You you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I'm taking a stand. Somebody's got to. We don't know how to do anything but email. <laughs> Yeah. So there you go. You could you could DM us on Mastodon. Um, does that still exist? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Paul, that tell us like what like our MySpace page is. <laughs> well, if you go to our Friendster page, you can find That's the right. links there. Direct them I to think our. We used to have a MySpace page. That's right. I feel like we did. Did we have a MySpace page, Paul? I think, I think it was did. a live journal. <laughs> uh, no, we. I don't know if we had a MySpace page. We might have. Yeah, it is possible. We had a lot of things back in the day. Um, what's the, uh, what's the URL for our GeoCity site, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> well, first you have to dial the motor. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Connect the uh, AOL. Oh, goodness. You, you can find our site at podflickshow.com. Oh, our real site? Are we, are we sending them there? Yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Podflickshow.com. Yeah. All right. That's it. Get out of here. Toodles. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.